0: Yo, hola, 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 amigos, amigos, players, playwrights, dude, dudettes, everybody in between. Get ready for another exciting episode of the podcast you cannot afford to miss because we do such great stuff. Welcome to The Game of Crimes. I'm literally here. I'm Morgan, as you guys figured that out, the um, uh, most underrated spokesmodel for Tommy Bahama and brand ambassador, <laughs> along with my partner in
1: crime. Hey, everybody. It's Murph. Welcome back.
0: And hey, once again, thank you guys for joining us. This is going to be a great episode. We'll tell you about it here in a second, but we got to get the housekeeping, the small talk out of the way real quick. Hey, head on over to that Apple Spotify, hit those five stars, really helps us. It, it exposes people to it. When you share it and you write good things, if you like it, let us know. And if you don't, let us know that too. Just be constructive in your comments. Tell us, here's what I like, here's what I didn't like, and here's why. Um, and we'll be, we've will be we made lots of adjustment based upon feedback from you guys. So we really appreciate it. Also, head on over to our website, Podcast.com. Actually, some of the pictures for this episode are going to be listed there when we tell you about TJ Webb, episode 90. So go on over there and see some of his just amazing pictures. We put the books up there. I think we're, I, I can't, I was, trying to count how many books we had, Murph, but I think it's like 60 books now or something.
1: Holy cow. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. Especially for uh, us.
1: (laughs) Everybody's writing a book.
0: Everybody's writing a book. We're writing books about writing books. Um, So, but go ahead on over there. Also follow us on that thing called social media at Game of Crimes on Twitter, Game of Crimes podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But I'm telling you, this is where you got to be. We just finished two episodes for our Patreon channel, Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. And we just did a case of the month where we kind of split it up between Alex Murdoch, the trial, but some interesting tidbits about that. We get into some of the technology used to really nail down a story. And then we talk about something, uh, Murph, you were doing. I mean, you've done how many interviews now on the kidnapped people down in Mexico?
1: Uh, Four or five. uh, And we got another one coming up tomorrow, as a matter of fact. But it's uh, the four Americans were kidnapped down in Matamoros, Mexico.
0: And if you want to hear what we have to say about it, where do they got
1: to go, Murph? You got to go to Patreon, Patreon slash Game of Crimes. It's
0: patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. If you just go to Patreon slash Game of Crimes, the web's not going to take you there.
1: Okay, so there you go. Now you know where to go. (laughs) But you got to come over and check it out. We've got more content on Patreon, I think, than we do. (laughs) I think we've done more on Patreon than we've done 90 episodes of Game of Crimes.
0: Yeah, we have hundreds of hours between the two of them. Literally, literally, Mm -hmm. literally. Like the Fally Girls say, literally, like literally, literally hundreds of hours. Good it stuff really over is. there. So, uh, and Look, but this one, too, we get into some details. You got some good insights on the uh, kidnapping stuff, and we have a solution. If you want to hear what Murph and Morgan's solution is, you got to tune in, patreon.com slash game of crimes.
1: Now, you might, not, you might not like our solution, but hey, we're offering one.
0: It's a solution. Trust me. And there's precedent for how it would work, and the cartels have already responded to what the potential solution might be based on their actions. But we give you all that insight at yeah. patreon.com slash game of crimes. This is a show about crime. We talk about bad people doing bad things and bad people doing bad things to good people. We take the story seriously, but...
1: You know we never take ourselves serious. You got to remember where you came from. We're here to have some fun. And one of the
0: ways you have fun is you go over to our Game of Crimes fans. Just go to Facebook, type in Game of Crimes fans. It's run by our favorite mafia queen, Sandy Salvato. If you are deemed worthy of entry, just get even in the ballpark. Just make the effort to answer just a couple questions. You're going to get in, and we we do. A, and by the way, I will tell you some of our episodes, some of our stories have come from you, our players on Game of Crimes.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and give us a rating on there too. I'm looking at some of the charts now, and we get very, very few comments. You know, we want to use your comments to try to entice other people to come over and, and listen to the show. So let us know what you think. And if we're doing stuff you don't like, tell us. You know, tell this us. is all about entertaining you.
0: Yeah, and if you hey, if you feel the, the need, send an email to Podcast at com and give us some additional thoughts. So do that. Yeah. But in the meantime, Murph. It's time. Speaking of time, guess what time it is? It's, it's time, time for... for... A small, small town. town ponies Jesus. Hey, I decided I would pick on Lower Alabama today. Alabama, the state of Alabama. We're LA. picking on Alabama today.
1: We're going, to LA, We're going
0: to L.A. Lower Alabama. You ready? All right. I'm ready. All right. Jeremy Branch, Steve, a 40-year-old from Chickasaw, Alabama, was out on bond after being charged with a January armed robbery of the Singing River Credit Union in Moss Point. Moss Point, population 12,147. Salute. Then in March, he reportedly robbed the Navigator Credit Union on Highway 614 in the Hurley community. Now... At the time of the March robbery in Hurley, however, no one was able to identify him because he was wearing a hat. This goes back to our advice you gave him on our uh, Game of Crimes episode we just did for uh, You Can't Make This Shit Up. Mm-hmm. Hoodie and face covering, so although he was being facing charges from the January robbery, it appeared he would get away with the Navigator robbery until Thursday. When Branch, clearly a criminal mastermind, apparently decided since he got away with robbing the Hurley Credit Union once, he could do it again. However, this time, as in the March robbery, he was wearing a face covering when he walked into the Navigator Credit Union, but this time the neighboring business owners recognized the white pickup truck. He was driving and dialed 911. <laughs> Here's the great thing, Murph. He was still on the scene when deputies arrived. He was searched and a note was found in his pocket, which claimed he had a weapon. A similar note was also used in the March robbery. So now he's charged with that crime as well. A note was also used in the January robbery, which and he was again charged. So if you're keeping score, in the course of one day, Branch went from being charged with one bank robbery in January to now three bank robberies. He's 0 and 3.
1: You know, it's not like that, that movie Home Alone where those two uh, two criminals would always leave the water running. They want to be known as the wet bandits. The wet bandits. <laughs> you don't want to establish a, a repetitive pattern like that,
0: idiot. No, you don't. Oh, but there, here's a repetitive pattern. We have stupid criminals. That's why it's called small town police water. Start with 64-year-old Robert Wesley Richardson of Warrior, Alabama, population 3,234. <sighs> Salute. Salute. That lewd dude was sub-dude nude. Last, this, that's the actual <laughs> writing. As he streaked, wandered really toward Jefferson County Sheriff's de- deputies. This dude reportedly roughed up his wife and grandkids, then pointed a gun at deputies before he finally emerged. He came forth wearing only his glasses and wielding a cup of coffee cops at first saw his good his surrender as good news until i could just see our guys saying get him no you get him chief deputy randy (laughs) christian said they had to tase him in the end not well not exactly in the in the end they had to tase him and as christian said they had to take careful aim
1: oh that's funny (laughs) turn around we're gonna shoot you in the ass
0: gonna shoot you in the ass boy. Come here, you dumbass. Hey, speaking of dumbass, you want to find out why dumbass is so good? You got to listen to You Can't Make This Shit Up. Shameless plug for patreon.com slash game of crimes. Now, Murph, on Tuesday, a woman in Morris, Alabama, population 2,254. Salute. She's not a – she is not destined to be a – well, she's destined to be a career criminal, just not a criminal mastermind. She broke at least two of the cardinal rules of arson. First, she brought a three-year-old girl who didn't belong to her. To the commission of a dangerous felony, what? which was arson, she splashed gas inside her estranged husband's travel trailer and tossed the match. You know what her one flaw in the plan was, Murph? What? She was still inside when she threw the match.
1: <laughs> well, I hope the three-year-old wasn't with her. Well, she was
0: with her. Um, she owned up to all she'd done because she what she did. She drove to a fire statement fire station for treatment of her burns.
1: Did the three-year-old? Did the three-year-old get hurt?
0: No, not not according to this. But turns out she was ticked at her husband in the hospital recovering from heart surgery because he had taken other women to the trailer. So she's going to burn it down with herself inside of it. Way to go. Idiot. Not. By the way, yeah, idiot. And let's finish up now with stupid news. Stupid Alabama laws. I like uh, Sandy (laughs) Salvato keeps tagging us on stupid news. Well, these are stupid laws. Steve, in the state of Alabama, it is illegal to wear a fake mustache in church because it could cause laughter.
1: Hey, it is the Bible Belt. What can we say?
0: It's illegal to put ice cream in your back pocket.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I would agree with that.
0: In mobile, not mobile, but mobile, it is illegal to spray Silly String and spit orange peels onto the sidewalk.
1: Do you have to do them both at the same time or are they illegal separately? Sep- separate separate offenses. Okay.
0: Uh, uh, we'll- good good thing to know. I was thinking about doing both, uh, but, <laughs> but apparently I can do one or the other. I didn't realize this, I don't think this law is on the books, but at one point, putting salt on a railroad track could be punishable by death.
1: Really? What's that got to do with anything?
0: Steve, Steve, it's Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) You got your answer. Here's one too. This is amazing. It is illegal for a driver to be blindfolded while operating a vehicle.
1: I thought that went without saying. It's Alabama. <laughs> hey, I got family and friend, a lot of good friends down in Alabama. So.
0: And here's one law that has not been taken off the books, and you'll understand why it should have been a long time ago. It's legal to drive down a one-way street in the wrong direction if you have a lantern attached to your vehicle.
1: Well, there you go. So you know what? We ought to test that. We ought to drive down the street with a lantern, going the wrong way on a one-way street, and then go to court. I don't think so. Uh,
0: you you try that, Skippy. I'm going to just take a pass on that.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to I'm gonna accept what you say, and let's move on. <laughs> Speaking
0: of moving on, let's move on. So, folks, so thus endeth the reading for today. Hey, this is interesting, too. We've got a real stud coming up, uh, and this one actually came to us from Brooke Wyatt. Brooke is a listener as well as a patron, a player on Patreon, and she sent us this—actually, this message. We've been working on this for a while. Says, hey, Morgan, got an idea for a new interview. T.J. Webb was a Milford police officer who was part of the U.S. Marshals Task Force and was shot in the line of duty in December of 2020. Great guy and might be a good interview. You're absolutely right. Brooke Wyatt, oh. he was a great interview. He is a great interview. And that's your interview coming up. T.J., uh, it's a story of uh, staying in the fight, man. This dude is shot six times. We're going to get into that. In the blink of an eye, two seconds, life changes dramatically for this guy. but Steve. Um, We may have the person who was his inspiration in the hospital, you reached out to him, initials are JR. Remember that? The SEAL, the guy who was also shot? I don't want to give away too much because we've saved a clip of this interview for when we interview this next guy because this other guy was the inspiration for TJ recovering. You just got to hear when he talks about putting the sign on his door, what his mental state is about recovering from something that would keep other people in a bed or maybe even a wheelchair for the rest of their life.
1: And Jr., who we'll leave it at that for now, is, has agreed to be a guest on Game of Crimes down the road here. So uh, this is TJ's story is one of the most inspirational I've ever had. It, I I had tears rolling down my cheeks as he's telling the story, and I think you probably will too. Um, I was going through physical therapy the day that we finished his his uh, interview. I had to go to physical therapy, and I went in with a completely different attitude because of TJ Webb's story and the way he handled the outcome. So this is one of the, you got to listen to this one. I've been teasing this one to anybody that I can. Of all the stories we've had, and we've had some fantastic stories on here, this is maybe the most motivational story I've heard so far.
0: Well, there's only one way to find out if it is. And I've got to ask you, Murph, are you ready to play the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the Game of Crimes?
1: Oh, and as the students at New England College heard over and over and over again the last few days, get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on. And I'm serious about this one. Let's listen. You got to listen to TJ's story. This is fantastic.
0: Well, hey, guys, welcome back. This is going to be yet another exciting and epic episode, one that will go down in history. Why? Because Murph and I have actually made it through. It's going to be probably over 90 episodes now, and we're both still alive. So, uh, and by the way, our next guest is also alive. um, And this, yeah, this is going to be an interesting, this is going to be a great story. Number one, because it's state and local. We've had plenty of feds on in a row. We thought we needed to break it up. So Murph did a good job. He went out and found a real hero from the state and local. Uh, ranks, but here's what's going to be fun about this. We're just having a bunch of, we're just talking shit right before we came on. (laughs) So it's like,
1: we're going to have to
0: do that. Yeah, we never, you know, but we're going to talk to TJ Webb from um, Milford, Delaware. And Murph, you found him. How'd you find him?
1: Well, actually, I went back and looked at my notes and and when I called TJ the other day, or... I think you called me to start with um, after an email and text and LinkedIn and and I was pulling out all the stops trying to get a hold of you and he answered almost immediately. I looked down at my notes and it was somebody, you found TJ, somebody recommended him to you and you told me about it. And I was going through, I mean, we still got a list of I don't know, 7,500 names. People. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a long list. And I thought, He's man. It's long and
0: distinguished, like my Johnson, uh, that named the movie.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: I, the, the, the original Top a, Gun. The original I just got Top a, Gun.
1: I just got an image in my mind that's not going to go away for like three days now. I, I think, guys, you might have to excuse me. I'm going to go throw up just a <laughs> second. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's get to the intro. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, w- you know, you folks out there, our listeners, you've heard. So many stories of heroes out there that have been wounded in the line of duty, including my partner, Kevin Stevens, back in 1989 in Miami, uh, where he got hit twice with a 45 caliber and unfortunately the foreman was shot in the throat with a 357, did didn't make it. And we bring these on because these are true freaking heroes. That's the whole purpose. We're not trying to gross anybody out. We want you to know, and most of you already know this, but if you're new to the Game of Crimes, we want you to know... What's really going on out there on the street? That's why we bring the guests on to tell their yep. stories. We don't go talk to these people and then try to tell their stories. You, we want you to hear it from the horse's mouth. And so today we got a man that I'm, I'm not going to tell too much about him because he's going to tell us all, but shot six times trying to effect an attempted murder arrest, survived. Uh, we're going to get into your recovery and what you're doing now, TJ. It's, I, and I'll just say this. Running a marathon, I usually don't even drive a car that far. So the fact (laughs) of me running one ain't going to happen. So that's just a clue of of where TJ is now. So it's it's our honor and pleasure to have TJ Webb on here. Welcome, brother.
0: Welcome, brother. Thank you. Appreciate hey, it. speaking of marathon, when I came down to visit you there in Orlando here a couple weeks ago, it took you about that long to, in your walker to get from your chair to the front door to <laughs> let me in. <laughs>
1: hey, you know, I had calluses on my hands from using that damn thing. They're just now starting to come off. <laughs> well,
0: hey, TJ, first of all, welcome. By the way, the biggest mystery, what, is, what the hell does TJ stand for?
2: Tim Jr. Tim Jr. All
0: right. Don't they usually put junior after the
2: name like Tim Webb Jr.? Yeah, it's uh my, my, so my name is Timothy Dale Webb Jr. So okay. I go by TJ, Tim Jr. Yeah. Hey,
1: okay. That's, that's better than BJ.
0: It is Sorry. better than BJ. Sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, that is that is a that is a chain of stores. There's nothing wrong with BJ's. BJ's
1: so, warehouse.
0: BJ's so. warehouse. Okay. <laughs> hey, but hey, well look First of all, we want to get started talking with you. You know, um, you are located in Milford, Delaware. Give, us, give everybody first of an idea. Where is, the, where is the great city of Milford, Delaware located at? Other than we know it's in Delaware. Don't, don't go that.
2: So this, Okay, yeah. So the so, uh, city of Milford is about an uh, hour and a half south of Philly, two hours
0: east of Baltimore, uh, right in the center of the state. So how close – well, the state's kind of small, so how close does that make it to the water?
2: Oh, uh, ten minutes. If you, had, if you had eastbound, yeah, you're you're in you're in the Atlantic in like ten minutes. Yeah,
0: okay. So, what's the population of Milford? I'd say somewhere
2: around twelve to fifteen thousand. Okay, I and think uh, our departments probably are uh, around thirty-seven,
1: thirty-eight. Yeah, cool. That's, I started out on a department with probably before you were born, TJ, nineteen seventy-five in Bluefield, West Virginia. Yeah, thirty-five man department.
0: I started off Salina PD. It was probably fifty or sixty. It was a town of fifty thousand at the time. So, um, but yeah, we all start off. Uh, Murphy, I don't know where you went wrong uh, going to the feds, but. Um, <laughs>
1: Well I got the, investigated by him so many times. I thought, well, I'll <laughs>
0: before Murph got on DEA, he had what three FBI investigations. I
1: did. <laughs> I did. Now I'm still a free man. Still a free man. <laughs> Hallelujah. So uh, but let's
0: out, yeah. Well, let's talk about you, TJ. Let's talk about um how did you get started? As we always ask everybody, thing of ours, Cosa Nostra. I mean, were you like woke up one night and you're on the wrong side of the bars? So you go, hey, it's much funner on the other side. And so this is what got you started. What got you into this thing? we call the profession of law enforcement
2: uh you know growing up it kind of always interested me a little bit um my parents uh they were not in law enforcement but they had friends that were so i was around um a lot of police officers growing up where did you grow um, up at
0: right in melford okay
2: born and raised Mm -hmm. right where i work at hometown
0: boy okay
2: hometown boy yep um and then as I, as I got older and went through, went through high school, um, I really didn't have any other interest. So I thought, well, you know what? I want to give this a try and see how it goes. So uh, after high school, I um, spent a little time at community college and started applying. And I'm um, getting and, no, no, Hold right on. You 21. just don't really
0: spend a little time at community college. There's a story there. So it sounds like yeah. I was doing time. Yeah. I did eight months on the inside. Yeah. So uh,
2: Yeah, I did about a year at community college. And I was like, you know what? This just isn't my ticket. Um, what were you so, studying? Criminal justice—not
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> my thing. And then, what does he do? He becomes yeah. a cop.
2: Yeah, you know, I just school, man. I just, I uh, just couldn't do it. You know, I just couldn't do it. Um, and at the time,
0: I was—was uh, was it know, grades 18, or partying 18. that got you out of there?
2: Uh, it's probably a little the, the combination of the two. Um, but at the time, I was uh, you know, eighteen, nineteen. So I was—we um, have—they a they have a program out here, like the uh, beach towns, for their police departments, called seasonal police officers. So um, you're not armed. You're not armed, but you go out and you can enforce certain things. So um, I was doing that to keep my interest in it and to see if, see how much I really wanted to do it. Or was that like? And, Rehoboth uh, Beach, or uh, I started in Dewey Beach. Okay. Started in Dewey Beach, so I was I was a seasonal officer there for about three years, and then um, well, that give us third an idea year, real
0: quick. When they say seasonal, like how big was the force? And then when they brought in the, because I, I have friends of mine that were chief at uh, Martha's Vineyard, they did the same thing, Ocean City, Maryland. So how big would you go from
2: the department with full time officers was about ten, and then in the summertime you would probably have about forty seasonal officers. It was pretty big because Dewey Beach is uh, it's known as a party town. Yeah, so uh, they needed a lot of hands on deck there.
1: So, That's what, uh, if you remember, Chris Feistel Chris, started out as a, a part-time police officer like that.
0: Yeah, Chris was one of the guys that – yeah, Chris brought – Chris was one of – him and uh, Dave Mitchell um, brought down the Cali cartel after Murph and uh, JP took out uh, Pablo. By the way, spoiler alert, Pablo's dead. He's room temperature in case <laughs> yeah. any of you guys are going to watch Narcos and <laughs> wondering about it, the suspenseful ending. Not going to happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but so tell us about the seasonal stuff. So what age did you have to be to be a seasonal police officer?
2: Um, I want to say, I think you could start at 17 doing like parking enforcement, I think. Um, and then, but I think pretty much 18 is what you had to be. And you could do like simple misdemeanor arrest, um, things like that. Nothing, nothing too great. No felony arrest or anything like that.
0: So were you more like Paul Blart mall cop? I mean, you had the fight <laughs> for those yeah. uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. yeah.
2: I mean, that's what you look like running around. You look like a security guard running around, really. Yeah, I mean, but you, you had have shorts on
0: though, right? You guys got to wear shorts?
2: No, no, well, the bike, the bicycle guys did. They had it nice. And if you worked on the, if you worked day shift, you had shorts. If you worked at night, you had you had regular old, regular uh, duty
1: pants. Did you have a Segway to ride around on? No, we didn't have Segways back then. This is this
2: is like uh, I did not know if they had them then. This is like going back 2000, 2001, something like that.
1: Um So what did they give you? Do you have Mace? Did they give you a billy club? What, you what had you had you had
2: yeah, you had you had capstan, you had you had a baton and you had a radio. And
1: handcuffs. Did you have handcuffs?
2: <laughs> and handcuffs. And handcuffs. Yeah. And handcuffs. So then you had, you had foot patrol, bicycle patrol, and then we had the paddy wagon. So that was, that was a good job.
0: Now, did you get assigned there or did you volunteer for those duties? You got assigned to them. So where did you get assigned? I
2: started out on foot patrol um, and then I moved to uh, the paddy wagon. Spent
1: three years. And you, and years you smile out. when you say that. Yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> Let's, okay. See, this is, you were just going
0: to talk about the blow passes. Yeah. No, this and is that, the goal. Is this, befo-
1: the details. this is before you got married, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Just,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Way before okay, that. Okay, so, so that. now tell us what you did in the back of the paddy wagon. Why are you smiling?
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't get quite that far, but uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it was a good
0: time. <laughs> no, good no, thing. no, was that was is time. not a sufficient answer. Let's talk about a couple of your fondest memories of the paddy wagon. What are, what are a couple incidents that happened that, make you smile when you say paddy wag
2: you know nothing particular but you do have a lot it's a lot of fun because you're picking up drunks all night you know what i mean you know how it is when you pick up a drunk they're just stumbling and bumbling all over the place so it makes it interesting you know well either um, they
0: want to fight or throw up on you or they're in love with you which yeah, you... Usually, usually they throw up on you oh. you know uh <laughs> once in a while you'll
2: get one and wants to tussle but you know it's, it's not that hard um
0: i do have
2: a funny story uh, from working there. Cause I actually, that's, I went to the Academy for Dewey beach. That's actually where I started my career. Um, so I do have a funny story from there. If you want to hear it.
0: Sure. Why would we want to hear a funny story? <laughs> I mean, hey, let's we, talk about right? boring stuff. We've yeah. got
1: Morgan on here. It's all about funny stories. So I, uh, <laughs> so I went, I went to,
2: uh, Delaware state police Academy in 2003, graduated in February. four. So, uh, that following winter of Oh four. Um, so I, I had not even a year out of the Academy. So in the wintertime, the town gets pretty quiet. There's not really anybody there. Cause, uh, you know, it's a vacation town. Um, so I get a, and like I said, there's about 10 officers. So you work pretty much one man shifts. You're working by yourself. So I get a complaint one night, uh, the mayor called and said the house across the street was having a loud party. They, they need to get turned down. Okay, sure. Something on over there. So I head on over to this house, make contact at the door. I can hear them from inside. They open the door up, and it's a house full of full of young girls, right? Probably in the you know, 20s. That's
1: um, getting better already. That's
2: getting better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first thing I notice is they don't speak a lick of English. Where are they, all right,
0: they from? All, they were all Russian. Um Oh, Ocine, we, you, of, you we get, said Ochimberiana Davaris, you know. Yes, yeah. We get well. They get
2: a lot of uh, Europeans for like with like visa work and stuff in the summer. You know. Yeah.
0: Okay. Hold on. They get a lot of them. What kind of work are they doing? Because I know some of it may be the uh, hospitality industry, and we have to be. Specific. There is some of that.
2: There is some hospitality work going on. Um, a lot of them work at the bars. You know, bar. Look in the bar. We servers and whatnot. Um, well, how does but that work do if that?
0: they don't speak a, lick, speak a lick
2: of English? I, I mean, don't I, know. They make it work somehow. I don't. I don't some I'm things are universal.
1: Sure. Yes, they right. are.
2: Yes, in the <laughs> hospitality business, yes. Um, so I'm making contact with this door. They open the door up, and the first thing they do is they grab me and pull, pull me in, and I hear one English word, and it's stripper, right? <laughs> so was that them or you? That was them. That was them. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, they grabbed me, pulled me in this house. And this thing, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how many girls there were. There was, was a shit ton. They're all grabbing me, pulling me around, trying to rip my shirt off, right? I got buttons popping off my fucking shirt. <laughs> It's crazy. I don't know what the hell to do. I'm like 21 I years old. I don't know what's going yet.
0: on. I noticed you didn't say you called for help. You have, You didn't call for help yet, did uh, you?
2: Well, no. I, well, I couldn't get to the radio. You know, I couldn't get to right. It. Okay, <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. Oh, oh.
0: Yeah. I can't reach
2: uh, my pterodactyl <laughs> arms Can't reach my radio. Oh uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, so they're. I mean, they're steady ripping, ripping all this shit off of me, and uh, I'm, I'm freaking out because I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to get in trouble here. You know what I mean? So. I'm screaming, no, 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 I'm the police, I'm the police. No one's listening or no one understands, whichever it is. So I finally forced my way back over to the door, open it up, and start pointing at my car. And then all all of a sudden it gets real quiet, and they just (laughs) ease back into the house and close the door, right? (laughs) So now I'm I'm like, just tell me they're going – I just hope they turn the shit down, right? So the music comes down, and I'm like, all right, the music's down. It's quiet. I'm getting the fuck out of here, you know what I mean? So I leave.
0: Do you have go to go replace to, your uniform
2: shirt now. Uh, I had to go re- re- replace some buttons on because they're like snap-on buttons, you know. So I had to replace some buttons. So I go back to the PD, and you know I'm like logging in a little, some of the information in the complaint log for like shift change and stuff. You know what I mean? So shift change in the morning comes, uh, the guy comes in to relieve me. I'm telling him about it, and he's like, "Oh man, it's crazy," you know. And I got some of her, certain things written down in the uh, pass-on pass-along uh, log. Uh, well, that day that morning after I left, the local uh, reporter came in from the local paper. he's going, he goes through like the complaints from every weekend and every night and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. So he gets to this one. Then he starts asking the other cops some questions. So he's like, Oh man, you should hear this story. He tells him all about it. Right. Sure enough, like two days later, it's in the local paper, like stripper (laughs) cop. And the whole thing is in the paper. Right. So then now I got, like Chippendale's pictures going up around the PD with my business card on it.
0: See, th- you started an internet <laughs> before there were I'm internet. I'm telling you, memes.
2: man. I still have the newspaper article. It's hilarious. And then the following summer, there were like three or four instances where I, where I went somewhere and someone recognized my name and referred to me as a stripper cop. So that's my story. <laughs> yeah. I got to yeah. tell you, I had that's a, tag. a great
1: story, though, man.
2: It was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: I had a tag on my expedition. I still I need to put it on my new vehicle. But I, you get the national law enforcement officers tag, mm-hmm. and I put KS space, space TRPR Kansas Trooper. Walked into Starbucks one day. One of the guys goes, "Hey, are you K stripper?" Why? Yes, I am. <laughs> That's me. That's me. <laughs> oh, I tell you. So, That's did cool. you ever run into those uh, Russian ladies later? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know if they stayed or left or what. But I never. Well, I didn't here's the amazing them. thing. It makes you wonder. They go stripper. Did somebody arrange for a stripper and you showed up instead? I mean, that's or, what I'm assuming. Okay, because uh, otherwise, normally the it's not normal to open up the door, see a cop, in no. uniform and go. Oh, stripper, no. comrade. No, no. no I I'm, mean,
2: I'm assuming. I'm assuming they had one on order and they're waiting for the arrival. But uh, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get the chance to ask. I just got the hell out of there. You know what I mean? So, and, and not once did you call for help, did you? <laughs> no. I couldn't get to the radio, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. It was all good. It was all and good. I'm sorry. How long did it take you to extricate yourself from this obviously dangerous situation? Three days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody seen uh, PJ? Where's
2: his car? I mean, it was less less than a minute. Less than a minute. Oh, know, yeah. Minute. Well, I'm,
0: I'm, you're lucky most guys. It's three minutes. Okay. Yeah, very right. good. Yeah. I'm not that lucky. I'm not that lucky.
2: I'm not that lucky.
0: No. <laughs> So,
2: so it's uh, one of the better stories we've had. On there. it's pretty good. It's I, I don't you know. I, I you're probably the first ones like on you know as far as like podcast interviews. You're the first ones I've told that to. I think it's yeah, pretty maybe. good.
1: Hey, See, we're we're we're. Uh, we're Uh, breaking new ground here. Damn, I can't even. We specialize
0: (laughs) in this. We're trained criminal investigators. We we drag stories. You see, that's when you started going blah, blah, blah. Then I was in. So, we've established that you were a criminal justice major in college and this wasn't your bag, baby. You work seasonal work, (laughs) go to work at Dewey Beach, and the first thing that happens is you turn into a stripping sensation in the town. I'm
2: telling you, overnight sensation.
0: It was it. Less legacy. We would have <laughs> yeah. bypassed all of that if we had just allowed you to go blah and then blah blah blah. Yeah. We don't do blah 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 here so but <laughs> we still haven't kind of concluded the seasonal work so you're talking about the Paddy Wagon. What was uh what was one or two of the most interesting stories from uh, your Paddy Wagon days?
2: Uh I mean, I'll say a uh, really bad one was we uh, we got I was driving that one night and got called to this uh like a little strip mall restaurant there.
0: See, strip. If strip seems to figure into a
1: lot of your vocabulary, <laughs> it's in his <laughs> vocabulary. Yeah, <it> comes
0: <laughs> up, it comes up. But, uh,
2: <laughs> so I, I'm, they called and so said the, the guy was uh, passed out, like leaning against the wall. I'm like, okay, let's, well, you know, same old, same old. So we head on over there. This guy is passed out, standing up, leaning against this wall. And he's got his pants down, and as he's passed out, standing up with his pants down, he's defecating himself. <laughs> All over oh. the
0: place. Oh, was his name Kevin Black? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was you not. You have to listen to our previous episode. Black. Sorry about yeah. that, Kevin. Uh, uh, man. Um, so, yeah,
2: he's just – he's passed out. So I'm, And now th- at this point, um, I'm one of the more senior seasonal officers, right? So I'm not dealing with this dude. So I get some of the guys on foot patrol to come pick this guy up and throw him and climb him in the back of the wagon. So they hold him in the back of the wagon we take him back to the to the PD and unload him and I'm like, he ain't going to my cell block, I can tell you that. So we drag him out, you know, make sure he's good to go, you know, make sure he's not, you know, any any medical danger or anything like that, obviously. And you know, all the right moves. And um finally find us find us he had a cell phone on him. So we went through his last number on his cell phone, which ended up being his girlfriend, and called it. So she came and picked him up. But man, that was uh that was a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. It was nasty, but it was funny, man. And it see, was it
0: back in those days, too, did you guys walk around with your, you know, everybody's got the PPE now, like the gloves and the other stuff, but did you even have gloves back then to deal with this guy?
2: Uh, man, we had like those, the old copper, like leather gloves. Remember them? The old leather gloves everybody used to wear, like from Gulls. Remember yeah. them? Oh, yeah. yeah. We, had the, we had those ones, yeah.
0: Yeah, but, but that's the problem. If you get crap all over your gloves, your gloves are no good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they're done. They're
2: done. Yeah, they're done. <laughs> they stink. They're yeah. done. Yeah, we didn't have the latex ones. Nobody, nobody carried latex gloves back then, you know what I mean? Except for like EMS.
0: Yeah. I don't know, maybe that stripper guy had a few things that were latex you could have borrowed from him. So he
2: probably mm. has some rubbers. Yeah, he probably has some rubbers for sure. <laughs>
0: Put those on over your hands. Uh, yeah. It would look like Muppets uh, when you do that. Look like mittens. Oh,
1: man. Those are funny looking mittens. They're transparent.
0: Hey, man, it's, oh, man. you know, man's a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. Why so, are they uh,
1: why are they why are they purple and have little bumps on them? What's that all about? <laughs> Hey, but Boy, uh, this in, conversation has gone down very quickly. Good, yeah, times. But, Good
0: times. People would expect no less at this point. When you start off yeah, with yeah, the stripper exactly. story, um, yeah. But but kind of let me circle back around too. I mean, there's some funny things. But because you guys were unarmed, um, did you? What was? Did you guys run into? Was everything okay? Or did you have a couple situations to where it's like shit? Somebody's got a knife, or somebody's got a gun, and you and you, I mean, you feel like that. You feel like an English Bobby now, to where you're unarmed and they are.
2: No, luckily, I mean, back then, no, I didn't, I, I, we never ran into anything with, with, with weapons or anything. It was mostly just people wanting to fist fight you, you know what I mean, or resist. That's pretty much all it was, thankfully. Um, never, never, never ran into any guns or knives or anything like that. I mean, people might have some pocket knives on them, but they never pulled them out, you know. Yeah. Like I said, it's mostly, it's, it was mostly like drunk college kids in the summertime, so they wasn't a big
0: problem. A favorite saying of my buddy that was the he he just retired as the police chief of Martha's Vineyard. The favorite saying was come on vacation, leave on probation.
2: Yeah, we used to say that too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we used to say that too. And return yeah. on violation. So yeah, um, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Well, so but uh so but Dewey Beach was the first sworn position you had, right? Uh, you know, badge carrying, gun carrying, cop position. So, um what was that? How long were you at Dewey Beach and what was that like working when you were the only guy out for, you know, for the town?
2: Oh man, I mean it was it was fun in the summertime. It it was fun. But um in the wintertime, man, it was I mean, I was three months out of the year, the rest of the year you just man, you're going nuts. You know what I mean? I was twenty-one out of the academy, twenty-two out of the academy, and I was wanting to get into stuff. You know, I I loved it there. The guys I worked with are great, the town was great, but um, you know, I wanted more. So I was there for about
0: two years and then I got out.
1: So, yeah, it, gets, it gets boring. I mean, you're doing parking boring. complaints, barking dogs. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: And the thing, too, is that anything that moves, you're attacking. It's like,
1: if They're it's moving, it, man. man. Yeah, yeah you, get,
0: you get one car come through at 1 a.m., you're like, i got to find something to stop this thing. You know
1: what I <laughs> mean? Why are they up at 1 a.m.? Right, yeah, brutal,
0: man. That's reasonable suspicion. I can pull him over. He looked at yeah. me funny. That's
1: working man. with intent to gawk. Yo, the, yeah, we used to joke, too. We had a
0: couple <laughs> counties in Kansas. Kansas used to have the... The license plate had the county, like uh, SA for Celine County or, you know, WY for Wyandotte County, then a letter like C and then the plate number. Well, it got to the point we almost considered it even above reasonable. If you had a Wyandotte County tag in our area, that was probable cause to stop and arrest.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
0: But, but um, so during that time, what was the... Stock and trade of the type of calls you handled other than the three months of the year, the nine months of the year, you said you were bored to death. Was it just like you'd go nights and there's just nothing happening?
2: Oh, you go most nights and nothing's happening. You just, you go out and do your property checks that you would, that you would, you know, be required to do. um and Other than that, it'd be like, you know, a, a random residential alarm might go off or a lot of assisting. You would, you would assist like, um, State police with traffic stops or um, if another town nearby had something, you go back them up on it. But other than that, you didn't have much complaints because nobody really lived there full time. I mean, you only had had a few full time residents, like maybe 10. The town was only a mile long.
0: Yeah, I know like in Martha's Vineyard uh, and uh, over in Nantucket. I mean, you're right. I mean, as things closed down, our favorite time was to go kind of like after everybody had left. But some of the restaurants or stores were still open. But um, what what were the things that were open year round, you know, there in Dewey Beach?
2: Uh, on the weekends, you'd have one or two bars open. Um, that's, that's it. That's it. One or two bars on the weekend. That was it. Yeah. I mean, it's different now. Uh, things there are open year round now. I mean, because we're going back, you know, 20 years. Um, so it was a little different. It's a lot, a lot more lively now year round. Uh, but back then it shut down in the wintertime.
0: So, but when it started getting to be those three months, what was life like uh, with uh, you know your seasonal officers? Because you used to be one, and now you're a patrol officer. So, what was life like once uh, once the town came to life for the summer? I mean,
2: it was fun, but you know, it's at the same time you're almost kind of like as a full time officer, you're almost like a babysitter. You kind of have to, because you got to watch over the seasons and make sure they're they're doing what they need to do and, and they're doing it the proper way because they're young, you know. Um, so, I mean, you get a lot, you know, a lot of parties, a lot of disorderlies, uh, a lot of DUIs, um, you know, it's a lot of those kinds of complaints, bar complaints.
1: Any felonies?
2: Yeah, once in a while you get like a felony assault, something like that, but nothing, um, like I said, not, not really any weapons. not really, really any weapons. back. I mean, they do now. Like I said, things have changed here a little bit now. You'll, they get a little, little more action now, but back then we never really had any problems, really. So
1: yeah, because now, I mean, you know, we're defunding the police, and so that's going to make everything right. safer.
0: Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Cause, <laughs> cause and effect, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Um, that's why uh, we just don't arrest shoplifters. We let them go because they'll see the error of their ways, and they'll quit shoplifting, right?
1: Yeah, oh, like the course. one there at Dulles Mall that shot the Loudoun County deputy. Yeah. Over well, freaking shoplifting. Yeah. That guy's back on the job now, I understand.
0: Yeah, I, I remember that when that happened too. Um that was that that was over at Costco, I believe, in Sterling. Same one we used to go to.
1: Yeah, it's right in was it Costco or Walmart? No, I think
0: it was call. the Costco there. But yeah, it was over in that area. But anyway, um, we digress. First digression, that's our drinking game. If we digress, you guys get to drink. Not you, TJ. Not until we're done. I've <laughs> seen what happens. You'll start stripping. We're not going to do that. Sorry, pal. You <laughs> no, don't start talking
1: sober. to him in Russian anymore.
0: Russian, <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah. No poruska? Yeah? Camera? All right. Um, but so where, how, in relation to Milford, where's Dewey Beach? How far away are you from your old hometown? Uh, that was about a half hour. Okay. Yeah. But, so uh, you go from a town. So during the nine months, what was the population of Dewey Beach? You know, 5,000, 10,000?
2: During the wintertime? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, no. Not even. You probably had 10 full-time residents.
0: No kidding.
2: Really? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, dead, dead. Because it's a, it was a summer beach town that was a mile long. Wow. Yeah. 10, 20 full-time residents. And then most of them were, <coughs> excuse me, most of them were older. So, you I mean, you didn't really have any problems with them. They were, you mm-hmm. know.
0: So, did any of them, once the once the old ladies that were hanging around heard about your stripper thing? Did you get extra calls, you know, for service at two in the morning? Can you some send a young some, stripper officer over?
2: Some pay jobs? No, I never had any of that. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, you were a full service agency. Yeah, that's uh, it. Right. So, but what finally you said you finally went to Milford? Was it just that that you're just dying of boredom, or what was the What was, you know, what was the final thing that says I got to get out of here?
2: Uh, man, I was just. I was bored to death and I wanted more I wanted more. You know what I mean? I was young and I wanted to I wanted to go out and get into shit. You know, I wanted to I wanted to do SWAT, I wanted to do drugs, I wanted to do canine. No, no, you wanted to
0: make drug arrest. You didn't want to do drugs. We tell kids don't do Yeah. I wanted to go make drug arrest. There you go. Words mean things. Yeah. So how tough was it to get onto your own hometown PD? Were you like, I mean, because you'd already been through the academy, so you're already certified, you're already sworn. What was it like getting on, uh, you know, applying for your PD? Uh,
2: It was tough. It took me two or three times, I think, um, because they all knew me. They all knew me since I was a kid. Um, So I think there was some hesitation um, with bringing me on just Cause they all knew me as a kid, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, well,
0: hold on. <laughs> so they knew I mean, you. As I never a kid. got in
2: trouble. I never got in trouble as a kid, but I mean, they just, they knew me, you know what I mean? And I was always like, I was a smart ass growing up too, you know what I mean? So.
0: Were they concerned that you just weren't going to be, uh, you know, you were going to make the call when you needed to like arrest, you know, your old neighborhood buddies, or is that what they were concerned about? Or are they just concerned yeah, like.
2: I think so. I think it was, you know, being, being a hometown. It's hard. Cause and a lot of the guys that worked there were like the older guys, um like the administrators a lot of them were themselves hometown boys to there um and i but i think that was part of it, it probably you know like he's young and he's going to have to come here and work and you know make effective arrest on people that he knows so i think that was part of the issue um but i i, I just like i said it was my second or third time applying i had a meeting with the chief and we kind of talked about that a little bit you know like how it was going to be working there and knowing people and um I said, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the job. So uh, they offered it to me.
1: Well, the other side of that coin is you know everybody there. You know who the good guys are, the bad guys. You've got sources that nobody else is going to have access to just because you grew up together. Yeah, right. So that's, and it's, that, it's and it was extra. like
2: that, too. It was like that, too. It was like that. You know, when I, when I was doing investigations, I knew people.
0: See, I look at it the other way. I look at it. Here's a guy, wants to be a cop. He spent two years in purgatory. This dude has so much pent-up energy right now. Just fucking turn him loose on the town. He's he's going to arrest everything in sight.
2: Okay, yeah, but I, did, that I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. I had, you know, you know, you know how it is with young cops, man. Sometimes you just got to tell them to turn it down a little bit. I was, I was like that, you
0: know, I had to tone it down a little bit. So, but let's talk about that. Let's talk about the first time you had to, let's say affect an arrest, make an arrest on uh one of your hometown boys, you know, somebody that knew you, did you get like, geez, TJ, why are you doing this to me? We're buddies, we're pals.
2: I got that sometimes, but the first one I ever had, um, he had actually it was a female. She had a, uh, She had a capius for missing court on. It was like a marijuana charge or something. It was something stupid. Okay,
0: you used a term that we don't. In fact, it's the first time we've used it on the uh, Mm -hmm. show. No capius. Uh, We used to call it the habeas gravius. But um, what's a capius in Delaware terms?
2: So it'd be like a warrant issued by the court for for missing a trial. Okay. Like if you if you got arrested if you got if you got arrested for drugs and you got a court date and you you didn't show up for your court date then the court would issue you a capius for your arrest, yeah. which is basically a warrant
0: or an arrest warrant. Right. All right. It's an,
2: arrest, it's an arrest warrant issued by the court and not by, well, they're all issued by the court, but it's not written up by a police department. It's written up and issued by the court themselves.
0: Okay. So, so walk that through. So you get the capius. So how did that go? Um,
2: I mean, I felt bad for her to be honest with you. I was like, man, I got, sorry. Like I guess, cause it was kind of petty. But I was like, you missed your court date. You got, and then she couldn't get bond, so I had to take her to the jail and drop her off at the jail f- for the weekend. So I kind of felt bad for her. But, you know, it was like that. I got a lot of that. I got a lot of stupid things like that. And then eventually it got to the point where it was like, oh, man, you know me. And I'm like, yeah, I know you, but what do you want me to do about it, bro? You know what I saying? know
0: you, and that's the exact reason I'm taking your sorry ass to jail is because exactly. I know you.
2: I mean, because it's, like it's not like I was out arresting my friends from high school. I was arresting people that I went to high school with at you know, I didn't necessarily hang out with in high school. You know what I mean?
1: Did the uh, did the girl know about your stripper reputation to try to take shirt off?
2: No, no, she didn't know right. about that one yet. I don't think. <laughs> yet, did your stripper reputation? Yeah. Um... Well, I, was actually, I was on uh, I was on FTO when that happened, so I was being I was being supervised.
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs>
0: but did did your prior stripper uh, altercation end up uh, becoming a topic of interest at the uh, Milford PD?
2: I can't remember if that came up or not. It will after we air this. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be getting a lot of calls after this one, for sure.
0: DJ, remember me?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll definitely be getting some
1: calls.
2: Probably from the guys guys at Dewey, I'm sure.
1: Well, let's just hope your wife doesn't hear about it and smack you upside the
0: head, you
2: know? No, she knows about it. Like I said, I got the newspaper clipping in my uh, scrapbook. It's pretty funny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about, you, 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 that was during your field training officer phase, but um, when you get working, how, was, how different was uh, Milford versus Dewey Beach for you?
2: Oh, uh, man, it was night and day. Um, I mean, you're doing police work day in and day out. I mean, you have, you have high crime areas, you have drugs, you have guns, um, you have violent domestics. I mean, you have, you have everything from misdemeanor, petty crimes to, you know, full felony. Um, so it was, a, it was a learning process, but you know, I, I enjoyed it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So what was the, so like, how did they assign you? So how was the town divided up? How did you guys divide up like into precincts or beats or, you know, and then how did you, how did you work things?
2: We had uh, like five man shifts um, and we had four sectors. Um, so they would try to keep like a person in each sector. And then you have like one car as like a roof, um, which is usually like the sergeant or something.
1: Mm-hmm. That's We were we were divided up into three beats with uh, either a sergeant or a lieutenant out there with us. But then we also had a 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. shift with a couple guys.
2: Yeah, we were uh, 7 to 7. We're, we were 12s.
0: Yeah, that's Boy, that's tough. Um, I remember when I first started Salina PD, they had a five-beat system with somebody that roved north and somebody that roved south. You would have seven people out on the street, but never had enough people to man the shifts. And so, um, you know, it ended up being— District 1 would drop its borders about 3 blocks, District 2 and 3 the beats would drop down and then District 4 was like you had basically 35 to 40% of the entire city. So the new guys they would stick out there and I remember the chief walking in one day he says, "Yeah, we're going to look into the 6 beat system and one of our smart asses says, "Maybe we ought to look into the 5 beat system first, you know." <laughs>
1: <I was> look <laughs> <looking> at the iron people.
0: Well, they had what they called a safety officer, a rover safety one, you know, safety one, safety two. So they would cover, you know, but again, as you, as you found out too, right? Never had enough people to staff, even when they said that never. It, yeah, yeah. So, how did you? What are some of the opportunities for you then inside Milford? We're going to get into the shooting and stuff here in a little bit, but it's kind of like, we want to walk through it. So everybody starts off on patrol, right? So, but what's the first opportunity you have to do something different other than being on patrol? And what was it?
2: Um, I was there for about a year and a half, about a year and a half, two years. um, And they had some openings on uh, SWAT. So I put in for SWAT, got accepted to that and uh, went on to, you know, basic SWAT and uh, some advanced SWAT schools. That was my first opportunity.
0: Now, did you guys have a combined or a regional SWAT team, or was it just uh, did Did Milford have their own dedicated SWAT team?
2: We just had our own dedicated team. It was like a, you know a part-time team, so you still work your patrols or whatever you had to do and come in as as needed. It was we were basically we were more of a uh, like an, a warrant like a warrant team, not so much of you know hostage rescue or anything like that. It Was more of a warrant team, but that we did for uh, drug drug cases and whatnot. arrest warrants.
0: So. Talk about the process of getting on your SWAT team. What was it like? What you know, obviously, there's interviews, physical agility. You know, what was it like to train or test for that and get on the team?
2: Uh, yeah, we had. You, you did a little interview. You had some, some PT test, um, and then they, then you went through a selection process where the team would would have a, would have who tried out, and it had to be a unanimous decision for you to get accepted. So if there was like if there was one Nay vote on you, you're done. You, you could try you try again another time. Um, so I think at that time, I think we had, I think there was two openings, um, and I think there was like four of us that put in. I think, um, so I got in one of the slots.
0: How did you get the slot? What what differentiated you from the two that didn't? Um, I would.
2: I mean, if I had to take a guess, I would say uh, my work ethic. I mean, I was pretty. Running and gunning on patrol, um, and I think that carried over to this, to, uh, to some decision making.
0: And you look like at that time too. You uh, just looking at a couple of pictures too. We'll talk about the canine stuff. But it looked like uh, did you do like athletics in high school? Were you still pretty physically fit then?
2: Yeah, I mean I played sports year around in high school. You know, baseball, football, all that uh, track. Um, and then you know I, I didn't work out as much um, in my twenties, but I still stayed in somewhat good shape. You know, um, not as I got older, I got more into fitness, which we'll get into later. But, um, you know, I was still, I was in decent shape. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, like the physical agility test wasn't a problem or anything like that.
0: So you said you went to like a basic and then later an advanced school. Is that something, uh, did you go, did they, the department put it on or did you go out for training like Delaware state police or.
2: Out for training. Yeah. I I went to a, um, a a county police departments, uh, basic SWAT school, um, and then uh, the advance was put on by an outside entity. Uh, it was um, GTI Government Training Inst- Institute. I think they're out of Carolina. Um, they put on like a. They came to Delaware for a while and put on like a. It was like a month long advanced SWAT course. It was four weeks. Um, so I went, attended that for a month. Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: An an entire month. I mean that that's uh, that's an investment.
2: Yeah, it was based. It was a lot of it was based around like. Um, like hostage rescue stuff and everything. It was a um, pretty interesting course. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. You did rappelling and all kinds of stuff. It was neat. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was neat. It was a lot of fun.
0: What? So what's the biggest building to rappel off in Milford?
2: Uh, probably like a Dunkin' Donuts or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we're there already anyway. So, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, While well, we're here, yeah. let's go up on the roof. Coming in through yeah, the windows. Right. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Not that I've ever used that, but it was uh it was a lot of fun to do it and train where they get certified. It was cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and if you know, if our listeners are wondering if you know if if the connection between cops and donuts is true, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Repelling in the window, man. Get me in there.
0: That's why it's called a drive-thru. Yeah, <laughs> <Good deal now. laughs> Come right in. Um so Talking about your SWAT stuff, what, when was the first chance you had an uh, opportunity to use your new SWAT skills?
2: Uh, when I first got on the team, we were pretty active. I mean, we were probably doing, for us, we were active. Um, we were probably doing uh, like two hits a month. So that was, I mean, that's pretty good for a part-time team because um, we had a pretty active drug unit um, that was always trying to stay busy and get into stuff. So it kept us pretty, kept us pretty busy.
0: Do you have your own how were you guys assigned? Were you guys assigned cars, take home cars, you know, uh pool cars? Assigned? assigned cars. Well,
2: yeah, you had assigned cars every day you came in. You didn't have we didn't have take homes unless you were like um detective or canine, something like that.
0: So but even as SWAT you guys didn't have your own uh, take home cars? No.
2: Personal vehicles, yeah.
0: So what was it like to, uh, you know, you get a call out, right? So um, now, I mean, most of those were planned, but how often were you called out for other stuff, incidents like, uh, you know, a critical incident or anything like that?
2: Um, most of the time we got called in, it was for uh, like, if we had a rest where they knew, they knew where a guy was, they wanted us to go in there and grab him. Um, they would call us in and you, you try to get there as quick, as quick as you could. It didn't happen too often. Most of, most of our hits that we have were planned. Um, there were a few that we had to come in for, you know, pretty hastily, but, uh, most of them are planned out.
1: Did you so, carry your gear in the trunk of your cruiser when you were on duty?
2: Uh, yeah, we carried We carried, um, most of it, like your, you know, your, 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 vest and all that kind of stuff, the basics you keep in your, we keep in our trunk if we could.
1: Any so other here- weapons? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Ahead. We had long
2: guns, all of our cars, well, all the patrol guys, all the patrol cars have long guns in them. So you always had that
0: with you. Here's something I'm going to assume that you probably did because I did it um, when you get get all your gear on. Did you ever weigh yourself just in your undies and then put everything on and weigh yourself to see how much crap you're actually carrying? I
1: don't know if I ever did that or not.
0: It was probably a lot of crap, though. I can tell you that's a lot of shit to carry around.
1: You know, I'll tell you this, TJ. I was a cop for 38 years, and I never even thought of doing that. Now, where the hell is this going, Morgan?
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of those guys, I got to know. I weighed myself one day, then I put everything on, and it was like an extra 20 pounds. And and that's back in my day between the vest, the gun, the belt and everything. And it's like, and no wonder it's like, I I was bending over and it's like, man, it was really hurting. Finally went in. I'd never seen a chiropractor before. He put me down, took an x-ray and he showed me my hips. One hip was like, you know, at eye level. The other one Mm -hmm. was about two inches below eye level. It's like, this is the reason why it hurts. He was on my gun side. He got me on that table. One of those spring loaded things did a push down. And I heard a Mm -hmm. like that. And it's like my hip popped back into place. I'm like. I can walk again. I mean, this felt good. Yeah. Well, that's why you
2: see a lot of guys going to vest now, that outer carrier, because it gets it off your hips.
0: Yeah. 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 It does.
1: So I actually uh, had, the, I had the same thing just when I was a city cop, was uh, picked up a guy on the street and didn't resist or anything, put him in the cage in the back seat, and then I sat down and, and I couldn't breathe. I just caught something caught in my back, and it, it just so happened one of our uh, police commission members was a chiropractor. I got up to the station. They called him. He came out in the middle of the night, met me in the office, and did the same thing he did to you, Morgan. And it just straightened everything right back up.
0: You know, this is a small thing, but you know, the other thing I learned, I quit carrying my wallet in my back pocket. I haven't carried my wallet in my back pocket for 35 years, I think. I just put I it didn't in carry the front. One. Yeah, because it just, you didn't realize till you, till you see one of those George Costanza wallets that's about three inches <laughs> thick and the guy's pulling yeah. it out of his back yeah. pocket. Well,
1: no that's, wonder that's you got fucking a,
0: back problems.
2: That's a cop wallet because you're carrying around that fucking tin in there and you got your credit cards and your cash i mean god damn the thing the size of a brick
1: yeah. yeah it really
2: is
0: yeah and if you get shot in the ass it might stop a bullet there but that's about true
2: true i didn't
0: i didn't take any in the ass though so i don't know <laughs> yeah well <laughs> Glad to know you clarified you've never taken it in the ass. That's Whoa, good to know for this right. podcast. <laughs> hey, I, I just report the facts. He said it. That's, it I, mean, that's um, it. I had to, had to clarify it. True confessions. <laughs> so, hey, but, but so how long? So, I mean, but you moved up. So the variety, what, what did you do after SWAT? So did you stay doing SWAT and then move on to something else like canine or investigations? Or what did you do later?
2: So since our SWAT was a part-time team, so I, I, can, I stayed on that through, through my career. Um and then but my next step with my next step with after that was uh K-9, which is a full time position.
0: yeah, we're seeing a picture of you with the old reliable Crown Vic there. you've got the short hair and you've got that dog. who was that dog
2: that's hank h e n k um, was
0: that your first dog?
2: does well uh, well, yeah, I had a so Nancy yeah I'm going back i between. Dewey Beach and Melford. I had one other stop at another agency for about a year, year and a half. What was that? Um, Camden, Delaware. Okay. Um, I was there for about a year and a half and I had a yellow lab there um, for drug work. Um, And it was kind of just like a, the agency was just kind of a pit stop. I I wanted to get out of Dewey. So I I went there while I was kind of hoping to get on to Melford.
0: And uh, so I left, I got a job over from Melford and left there. So did you go through your canine training then originally in Camden? Or did they uh, just yeah. kind of give you a dog and go, hey, go sniff some drugs? No, I had canine training there. So you said it was a yellow lab. Was it a meth lab? <laughs> but <sorry>. i killed <laughs> No, I didn't, come
2: across, I didn't come across any of the meth
0: labs. But uh... So, but in terms of Milford, so Hank was your first dog? Was it a Mal? Yeah. What was it? Sh- Shepherd. Shepherd? Yeah. Yep.
2: German Shepherd. Yeah.
1: Is that the one you have pictures? I saw a lot of pictures on your website and online. It's black.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a pretty dog. Yeah. That's
0: a pretty, he that's was, a good he was, uh He was beautiful, man. I love that dog. Yeah, he was awesome. Love that dog. So um, what what was he trained for when you got Hank? What was he trained for? So he was narcotics and uh, patrol work. How often did so you get I, to use him? Uh,
2: I spent six years on the road with him. I think he had bite apprehensions. I think he had six or seven. And as far as total total apprehensions with you know bites and then you know non bites, he like, tracks locating someone. I think I was like ninety six apprehensions, I think 96, 97. yeah, in six years. So I was I was very successful with him, um, and it wasn't. I mean, I was doing my part, but he was just a he was just a great dog, man. I got lucky and got a really really good dog. He was a he was a tracking machine.
0: Yeah, um, and how long was your training uh, with him for Kane? Did you have to go through a course again, or did your previous training carry over?
2: No, I went through a whole other course. It was six months, six months training course with him um, for both you know drug drug uh, certification and patrol work.
0: So six months you were gone doing this training. Yeah. So you're gone four weeks for SWAT. Six. When did you actually do any police work? I didn't. I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle the call. I'm on training
2: again. Yeah, uh, yeah, again. Uh, yeah. But, well, and you know, like now, you know, I'll say it again later. But I, as you'll, you'll see, I, I was for being from an agency, especially an agency that size, I was very, very fortunate in my career. I got to do a lot of really, really cool things.
1: Really, and, it, and that's one, one of the great things I, about that. Yeah, I started out a small agency like that, and it was yeah. If you made it to detective, that was a big deal,
0: right? Yeah. Thank you. I was kind of a big deal then. Uh, as Ron Burgundy <laughs> said, I don't want to, you know,
1: I think you might have been the token guy they made. Them, you know,
0: why <laughs> the one still with all his hair and could still fit into his pants, probably. Well, the one Ooh. on the short
1: yellow bus and they felt sorry for you.
0: <laughs> tough crowd, tough crowd. <laughs> you can take this We as we determine, <laughs> right? So,
1: yeah.
0: um, but you said for six years, well, what happened with Hank? Did he just retire or something happened?
2: Uh, yeah, we said so it was. Uh, July fourth, we were I was on day work with him and um on the way home from work he was getting it was about uh that time I was about twenty minutes. I didn't cause I don't live in the city anymore I lived outside. I was about twenty minutes outside the city. And um he got sick on the way home, like throwing up in a backseat, and I thought, ah, he's just hacking up a hair bar or something like he usually does, you know. Um then I got home and he he didn't want to get out of the car. I had to I had to get him out of the back, put him in his kennel, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't drink. Just very lethargic. Um so I called our I called our vet. They, they have an on call number. I called them, and I uh, took him in there. And they're like, "Oh, you know, he's he's dehydrated. We'll get some fluids in him, and um, you know, we'll watch him overnight. You can pick him up tomorrow." Like, okay. So I would leave him there. That's probably like you know eight or nine o'clock at night. And then about three o'clock in the morning, I get a call um, from the vet saying um, he's gone into some sort of shock, and I gotta take him into surgery and see what's going on with him. Um, and wow. then about 10, and then about 10 minutes later, I got a call saying he didn't make it. Um, their best guess was, uh, he was ate up with cancer pretty bad inside. Oh, um, then he just came out of nowhere and just, and just took him. Um, so I just, it was, that was a, that was a devastating point in my career. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um,
1: How long you in him? six years. Oh my six gosh. Years, yeah.
2: And it's when you when you have a job like that with a dog, it's not, you know, it's, your life revolves around mm-hmm. that dog. Your schedule, all at work and out of work, revolves around that dog. So um, you know, it's 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 life changing when you leave when you lose a canine partner. It really is. It changes. It changes your work schedule. Changes your life. Your family. It changes everything.
1: Yeah, we we had a number of uh, canine officers on uh, several in Texas, and then uh, was it. Uh, the guy in Alpharetta, Georgia, outside, Mark Tappan yeah. with Alpharetta PD, and and that's yeah. the same thing they say. In fact, Mark has a huge following on social media, and he's still on there every day with his dogs. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, it's his kids, his family, and the dogs yeah. are part of the family.
2: It's a great job. It's um, the, the most rewarding job I have. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very rewarding. Yeah, I loved it.
1: Plus, you got a partner you can know you can trust 100%.
2: Hundred percent man. I mean, um, you know, I had I didn't like him in the beginning. He was kind of an asshole when I first got him. Uh I did one asshole one one, asshole, yeah. one,
0: one yeah. smart ass meets another. Yeah.
2: Uh, my <laughs> wife my wife will tell you, I, I mean I couldn't stand him. You know, I mean he was just a he was a dick. Yeah. Um Yeah, man. But then um, you know, we got it we graduated the academy, got out on the road and um we were on the road for a couple months. Um and I, I stopped the guy one night, uh suspicious person. Um in a high crime area. Stopped him. I got my car. I made contact with him on the sidewalk. And um, as I'm making contact with him, the guy throws a punch. And I, I I back up to miss it and I tripped over the curb and fell down. Uh-huh. The guy jumps on top of me, like, you know, kind of UFC style. He was, you know, beat the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the door pops
1: uh-huh. for the
2: dog, you know? So I reached down to my belt, hit the door pop, out he came, and he just Lit this guy up, man, yeah. and ever since that ever since that moment, that dog was my fucking hero, and oh, I knew no yeah. matter no matter what happened to me, that dog had my back, and I fell in love with him right then and there.
1: I bet that yeah. dog was trying to bust the wind out to get out and help you. He was going nuts, man! It was freaking
2: awesome, was the coolest thing ever, <laughs> and coolest one of thing the, awesome.
1: One
0: of the things we learned from talking to k officers, you got to be careful because that dog, when it gets thing, it's looking for anything. So it's it's anything, good
2: to <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I mean he he bit me a number of times. Yeah, he, I think he sent me to the hospital twice for stitches. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a, a mean son of a bitch, man. I loved him. God, I loved that, him.
1: Yeah. Was that because you had hands on the bad guy when the dog hit? or No,
2: no. He would get mad at you. Like, he would just get mad at you. <laughs> and it, would, it wouldn't be like a – he wouldn't, like, <laughs> grab onto me and, like, throw me around. He would, like, if I took his toy away after he played, he would just <laughs> kind of look at me and just <laughs> – bite me real quick. And I'm like, you motherfucker!" You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So we had, we had, we had, we had quite a few wrestling matches, but it was a love hate relationship. So Uh, yeah.
0: That guy that he hopped out and lit up, uh, did the guy learn a lesson? Yeah. I think he tore his
2: pants off of him. Yeah. He got, he typewriter. him up all the way up his leg, up his side and his arm. What is that term? Typewriter. Typewriter. Yeah. He just, you know, gnawed him all the way up his body. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was cool it
0: was cool. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Good times. Good times. In Delaware at that time, um, as we found from talking to some of the other canine officers, but did, do dogs or did they at that time have a special law enforcement status? So if you attacked a police dog, was that a certain kind of crime?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was a sawed on police canine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I actually, um, I locked a few people up for that.
2: Actually, uh, I, I actually, one of them, um, I locked the guy up for – it. Was a, I think it was a vehicle pursuit, and the guy bailed out on me, and I, and I sent Hank after him, and uh, he called him. And when I got over there, the guy was just pummeling him, like just throwing blows on, on his head. And um, so I locked him up for assault on, on, on the canine. Was and, that a and misdemeanor went, or felony? It was, uh, it was a felony. It was a felony assault. Good. Um, so he went to jail, and then like a few months later, I got a letter in the mail from the attorney general's office addressed to Hank as a victim. That he was on, that 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 the guy was getting out of jail. Like I knew occasionally This guy's getting released. I still have a letter. It's pretty cool. So
0: I got that. Yeah. So how's the right. dog supposed to fucking read a letter? No, Smart no. dog. I, I got dad read it to him.
2: I read it to him. So it was uh, he hey, understood it, But
1: Did you use a different language to for commands, would think?
2: Yeah, I used um what did I use then? I used uh Belgian yeah, or German
1: know.
0: or
2: Czech. I think it was Czech I used. I can't remember now, but yeah, it's a different language, yeah.
1: Have you heard of yeah. canines for cops out of Texas? I don't think so. We had the uh Christy Schiller founded that um and she's not in law enforcement, but she supports law enforcement. How many dogs have they put out like three hundred dogs
0: and they raise money uh, agencies really. don't pay for their dogs. they raise the money and they get them there. you know you have to agree to take care of it, but they help raise the money and it uh, all started That's very awesome. similar to what you were saying. um she saw mm-hmm. an article and we actually had the officer on where his dog had was attacked and killed by a guy when they were out chasing a couple guys. guys, basically choked him out. And, uh, she felt so bad about that. She started this whole foundation and they have raised millions of dollars, you know, like I said, put 300 dogs in. So that's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, I mean, dogs are awesome too. They, they're, 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 are the only animals that love you more than they love themselves. Yeah.
2: Yep. They're a great, they're a great tool in law enforcement, man. It's a, they're a phenomenal tool to have. They really are.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, let's start talking about then your progression because you're doing canine at, at what point in your career? Um, you know, what, what happens after canine? Cause what we want to do is kind of get this glide path going into getting onto the U S marshals task force. Sure. So wh- where do you go from uh, there? How long do you do that? What comes next?
2: So, yeah, so Hank, Hank passes. Um, I ended up, you know, going to my administration to my chief. I want another dog, obviously. Um, and I got they denied for another dog. Now, reason being was, um, they felt that K-9, for me, had run its course, and I was one of the more senior guys, getting to be one of the more senior guys in the agency, and it was time for me to move on to something else and give someone else a chance. So, uh, you know, I didn't like hearing that. Um, so I, I was, they offered me, to, you know, I could go back to patrol and be an assistant shift commander, or I could uh, take a drug unit spot. Well, I took the
0: latter, so I went to drug oh, unit. yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, but <laughs> but looking back on that though, I know you were pissed off at the time, but did you see that yeah. as good career advice for you to say, hey, look, you've got to expand your skills. You don't want to be pigeonholed.
2: Yeah, I mean it was it was it was the right call for them to make. It was the right call for them to make. Someone else deserved a chance at it. And um I needed to do I needed to do something else. I mean when you get a position like K9, you're there for, you know, six, ten years. Yeah, for the life of the, the dog, dog
0: basically, you know. Yeah. The,
2: yeah, I mean, you can spend half your career or your whole career in K Two dolls last your whole career sometimes if they live long mm-hmm. enough, you know. Um, and there was a lot of guys, you know, because it's a small agency. We only we only had two K nine spots, so a lot of guys, you know, want that spot. Um, so I like I said, I didn't like it, um, but I got over it. You know, I, I, I learned eventually as as I grew and you know matured a little more in my career that I, that that was definitely the right decision to make. So,
0: so you go down to the drug unit now. Are you are you then? promoted or, you know, moved into the position of detective or investigator? Or are you still a patrol officer?
2: So, yeah, you're, you're, you're now a detective when you go to the drug unit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and our, our agency, like I said, small. So, like, our drug unit consists of one person. Sometimes you'll have, like, a second person, that, like, a part-time second person. So you, you rely a lot on outside agencies, neighboring agencies, state police to help you out a lot. Were it's you part of position. a
0: task force back then?
2: No, we didn't have uh, like a drug task force then. It was to, Steve, like a Steve, what the hell? DEA's falling force. down
0: on the job. Why didn't you guys have a fucking DEA task force in Milford, well, yeah, Delaware? I, 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 let me,
2: I mean, there is, there, there is the DEA task force, but we didn't have anybody okay. assigned to that task force. There, there was a there, DEA there task force. There you go. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a DEA task force. Um, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I relied on a lot of uh, neighboring agencies to help
0: out. So what did your standard uh, kind of, wh- what were you working? What was the, uh, again, what was the soup de jour for the type of cases you were working and how did you go about making them? Because obviously, if being a hometown boy, it's going to be kind of hard to work undercover.
2: Yeah. Um, so, you know, I did the whole grow your hair out thing and all that stuff. And it worked, you know, because not everybody knew me. And, um, you know, it, 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 you kind of like, you know, I would go help other agencies and, and do some undercover buys and then I'd have them come help me out. kind of. you know scratch your back out scratcher, you know, um, mm-hmm. so bring it, it a fresh out.
0: face, somebody that they don't know.
2: Yeah. Bringing fresh faces and stuff. And, um, you know, not just doing directs, but, you know, like changing your appearance helps out on surveillance and stuff like that too. So, um, uh, but a lot of the, a lot of the things I handle, cause like I said, small, you're, you know, you're short staff. You got one person, maybe two, your car and guys in. Patrol guys in on their days off to help you out. Um, so a lot of it was a lot of my investigations were you know street level investigations. Um, a lot of heroin, crack cocaine, some handguns. Um.
0: Did you ever go undercover as a stripper? <laughs> no,
2: I, I went undercover quite a quite a few times as a john. I did that a lot. Yeah, for uh, prostitution, I did a lot of that.
1: He yeah. went he went undercover against the Russian mob. The Russian mob. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: No, no, fun. no, no stripper undercover. Just, uh, you know, picking up some strippers as a John. I did that quite a few times. That's fun. Yeah.
0: yeah. What, were they, Uh, were they, was that based out of the clubs or uh, street or how, how was contact street, made in those cases?
2: Street. Yeah. Walking the street. Yeah. You just approach them on the street and do your deal and someone would come in and take them off. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. So,
0: but, but, uh, when you were working those cases and stuff, what was, I mean, what was, what did you see getting introduced into your community over that time? Cause you talked about like crack, you know, heroin or stuff like that. Yeah. Did you see the, the prevalence? Did uh, meth start coming into your community? Did other things?
2: Yeah. I see meth once in a while. It wasn't that prevalent. I, I didn't see that much of it. It was mainly, I mean, everyone's got marijuana, obviously, which isn't really a big deal now anyway. Um, got heroin and crack came were probably my two things. And once in a while, you'll come across some pills and stuff. Still, people are still into that, but, um, for, for me, it was heroin and crack. Yeah.
0: Did you ever come across any fentanyl during that time? Oh, yeah.
2: Fentanyl. I mean, everything I got had fentanyl in it. I feel like every everything had fentanyl in it. Yeah, for sure. Really? Oh, yeah, man. I, was, I mean, it, I, I don't think I ever came across heroin that wasn't laced with, with fentanyl. It was hard to – I mean, definitely more times than not, for sure. Wow, no kidding. What years yeah. was this? Uh, two Let's see. Remember, you're under oath, detective. Late 2018,
0: okay. Yeah. So we're yeah. getting up, we're getting up to the point of where you start joining the, the task force, right? Yeah. I, well, yeah. Yeah. I I I I did both jobs at the same time, actually. So I'll, I'll when did to. the opportunity how did the U.S. Marshals Task Force come about? So I was in drugs for about a
2: year. Oh, not even a year, actually. I was there for You
0: mean you were working drugs, you weren't into drugs for a year. Right,
2: yeah. Right. <laughs> I was working I was working in drug unit in the in the drug unit for about I don't know, it's probably like six months. Um and the conversation I met some guys from the Marshalls Task Force. Um they helped out they helped our agency out uh with some fugitives we've had it, so I got to meet them And um the guys were all cool. Um I knew a couple of the guys a little bit already. Um so I started talking to my administration about task forces and they're like, okay, well, you know, DEA, ATF and everything. I said, you know, I just want to do something different, you know, like, um, I'm doing a lot of drug work and I'm the only one doing it. Like I, I, I like to do something else, you know, and I kind of put it as the marshals can help me because now if I go out and I'm doing deals, I'm getting arrest warrants. Now I got mm-hmm. the marshals to help me serve those arrest warrants. Right.
1: You got your own SWAT <laughs> team.
2: I got my own SWAT team. That's kind of how I sold it. So, um, they bid on it and, um, they got the paperwork, um, filled it out, sent it to the marshals. marshals did their their background and all that and took me on.
0: How long you of know, a process I, was that?
2: Uh, I think from start to finish, uh, a couple months, I think, a couple few months to get to, for them, to get, three, four months maybe to get me on there.
1: Yeah. Everybody I've ever met from the marshal service on those teams was fantastic, just Kick-ass, take-names kind of guys. It was great. To it go was go great, man. Job.
2: Like I said, I, I always tell everybody, everybody always asks me, like, what what you have, more what what'd you like most? And, you know, canine was always the most rewarding because you got out of it what you put into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the most fun I had in my career was, without a doubt, the, 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 with the Marshall service. It was yeah. a phenomenal
0: job. It was awesome, yeah. Now, did you keep that long-ass hippie hair or did you have to cut it?
2: I did. I kept the hippie hair, a um, little bit Now, did of that cause some
0: problems when you were throwing on? Because this is one thing I wanted to ask about, lead into what we're going to talk about with the shooting. Did that lead into problems with identification to where you got somebody who doesn't look like a marshal, but wearing stuff that says U.S. Marshals, police, you know, task force?
2: No, we never had that problem. Like a lot of the guys on, on the unit um, didn't have long hair like me, but they all had like, you know, some facial hair, some beards and whatnot for, you know, undercover, you know, surveillance and whatnot plain clothes um mm-hmm. so it wasn't really much of a problem now
1: so how long was your hair
2: at one point i had it down you know, like to my chest like down the way down in my chest here yeah wow
0: um yeah it's not quite as long as chris feistel was uh, was it murph before oh, geez, he, it? Geez.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he almost had it down to his waist i think
0: i think he had it no, down I to the crack of his long. ass i mean if he took no. a shower i think the hair would have tickled the crack of his ass yeah i
2: had it pretty long for a while and then um Eventually, I ended up cutting it just kind of like, you know, to like uh, below my ear a little bit. So I kept it a little shorter.
1: It's a pain in the butt. You know, everything's cool. It's a pain in the
2: butt. Yeah. My wife liked it a little shorter. So I kept it on the shorter side a little bit.
1: Yeah. I had mine down to my shoulders when I was in Miami. And it's just, it's hot.
2: You know, it's It's hot. You know, you got to put it back in the man bun. And everybody makes fun of you for the man bun. What? You You put your hair in a man
0: bun? You got to, man. You got Good, to you nah, gotta get that sorry. stuff out of the way. Podcast's over. Anybody who does a man bun, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you
2: shouldn't have told us that. Man, when, we're old. Man, when you're, when, you, when you're working out in the gym, you got to get that stuff out of your face. You know what I mean? So you put it on back there. That's
0: what so, a ball yeah. cap's for. Oh Skippy. man, too hot. Too hot. Too hot. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So what were some of the fun things you got into the uh, with the Marshalls? So um, was it, was some of it was just your stuff or how much of it did you get pulled into versus stuff that was initiated by you?
2: Um, so I mean, you're 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 uh, you're assigned to it pretty much. I mean, it's a small state, so I think on the whole task force, I think I want to say we have 15 guys. I think, and then on the lower end of the state, um, there's three counties in Delaware. So my team had was pretty much assigned to the lower two counties, and my team had we had four guys on our team. Um, now, if you if you went and did a did an operation you would call the guys to help you you know i mean but uh we but our investigations were our our four-man team um so you pretty much just start your day out you know with your team like what what does everybody have going on today what what do we need to work on and you kind of go off
0: do you work off-site or out of the police station or where'd you guys post out of um
2: man pretty much we we worked out of our cars all the time and if we had if we had paperwork to do we would go like you know, the nearest police department or nearest, uh, you know, state police troop and, you know, work out of there for a while. But, um, I mean, you had carte blanche, just run around the state and do do your job that you need to do. So it was nice.
0: That, you, you sound like a trooper, get to run around the state yeah. and do whatever you want to <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. Do Same whatever for- you want. So want. Get your job, whatever you got to do to get your job done, get it done,
2: man. It was, well, it was I good. noticed
0: the name of the task force was called the first state fugitive task force because you guys oh, were cool. first state, huh? Correct. 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 Number one, baby. Number
1: one. Did you guys? So, as as a, a municipal officer, did you have reciprocal agreements with other agencies and counties? So, you had pretty much jurisdiction throughout the state, or how'd that work?
2: Yeah, we had jurisdiction throughout the state because the, uh, the marshals swear you in federally.
1: But I mean, before before the marshals task force, when you were just mill for people. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, when I got into the drug unit, I was sworn in for statewide jurisdiction because of drug investigations. Drug investigations usually carry over, obviously. Um, so, that you get statewide jurisdiction with that. Now, just as um, an officer with your agency, like a patrol guy, uh, you're limited to your boundaries of jurisdiction.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so in this particular instance, you guys are working stuff. Let's start talking now about, um, what happened to you on, uh, December 10th, 2020. So, I mean, how long had you been by before, before the shooting happened? How long had you been on the Marshall's uh, fugitive task force?
2: Um, it's so about two or three years, I think something like that, two or three years.
0: Um, had you had anything really hairy happen up until that point?
2: Yeah, I mean, we were we were a very, very active, like, running and gunning um, task force. I mean, we were, if there was something to get into, we were going to find it and get into it. You know, they're, they're, we, we loved it. We loved getting into stuff. So we always ran across, you know, some hairy situations. You know, we always found guns on people. Um, but, you know, it's all about, a surprise right so we were very fortunate where we never ran into a situation where anyone was able to you know pull a weapon out on us um so we were all you know we were, we were lucky with that so we never really had we had I would say we had some close calls with coming across from other from weapons and stuff but nothing we never had any other shootings before this
0: so let's start setting the stage then for this too because um as as I mean you guys depending on what State things are coming in from you guys are fielding leads from other con- or other states, you know, or other locations. Hey, we think we got a fugitive there. We're looking for somebody we think might be in your area. So, on this particular case, and just for folks to know, uh, we've all agreed, and uh, even uh, TJ does it too. We don't, we're, we're not given the piece of shit airtime. He will be referred to henceforth as POS. Mm-hmm. So, um, in this turn, in case of this, in the terms of this POS, in case of this POS, what was your first? Uh, what was your first contact with this case? How did you start finding out about this?
2: So yeah, I mean it was a normal work day. Went went to work, did our thing, and then I um, ended it. Got home at a, um, a pretty good time, around five o'clock or so.
0: And uh, what? And when you said in relation to the December tenth, how far back in time does this go? Two
2: thousand twenty.
0: No, I mean in terms of December tenth. Like was it December eighth or December seventh? You know, I mean, how many days prior did you guys start getting information on this case? that that night. Oh, that night.
2: Yeah. That night. So, um, so yeah. So what happened was it was had a normal day at work. Didn't know anything about it yet. Um, came home getting dinner ready with the family and, uh, we operate off like group text messages. So uh, our supervisor put out a group text, wanting to know availability for an operation in the morning, Pennsylvania called down, said they had a lead on a guy wanted out of Reading for attempted homicide and he was thought to, they had Intel that he was at this hotel in uh, Rehoboth beach.
0: Um, and how far is Rehoboth beach from where you are from where I was living at
2: that time was this hotel was about 10 minutes at that time. My wife and I, my wife and I were, uh, in between homes, we sold a house and we were just breaking ground on our new home. And we were living with my in-laws. Um, so at the time there, it was about 10 minutes from the hotel. Um, so the, the, the plan is to see the availability for the morning. Pennsylvania is going to come down, meet us, and we're going to go and see if we can uh, locate this guy there and, and, and make contact. So my thought is, well, you know, I'm 10 minutes from that hotel. Give me the vehicle description. I'll hustle on over there, see if I can get eyes on it, and just verify that this guy is probably there. Because no one's seen him there yet. They, Pennsylvania has some intel on it, Right. Whatever, whatever the intel may Here's be. Here's the
0: question, though, but you might go out and you say you want to put eyes on, and see, but the, if you see him there and spot him there, are you committed then to staying and doing surveillance, or is it just enough to determine that, hey, he's there and we'll come back in the morning still?
2: It's just enough to determine that he's there. Um, but I'm not that kind of guy. So we'll get into that.
0: Yeah, I kinda, that's why I asked the question. <laughs> cause yeah, Because shit's going to go south pretty fast here. Yeah. So I go out,
2: um, take up a spot in the parking lot, see the car, verify the tag number. Uh, call the supervisor back. Hey man, vehicle's here. Confirmed. I'm looking at it now. He's like, "All right, cool." As him on the phone with him, um, Pos steps out. He's got a girlfriend and two small kids with him.
0: Steps out from the room or the car? <laughs> steps out from the hotel. Okay. And is this one of those motor ends where the doors face the outside, like you see the motels?
2: No, you can go in. There's like a lobby. You go in. It's it's uh, yeah. Uh, it's a, a kind of lodge. I don't know if you're familiar with like, like kind of lodge setup. Um, it's a piece of shit hotel, but you got to walk in to go to your rooms. Um, so he walks out, he's getting in the car. I'm not going to do anything by myself. I'm not that crazy. So I let him know in the family, hey, guy's walking out right now. I snap a photo of him and send it up so they can, you know, just verify the tag and him and everything. Um, let the guy go.
0: When this POS comes out, is he looking actively looking for surveillance? Is he looking around? Do you get any indication that he thinks he's hinky at all about what's happening?
2: No, I didn't get any. I, I, I didn't notice him looking around too much. He was pretty much beeline to the car. Um, so I let him roll. I let him leave the parking lot. I wasn't concerned about it because he didn't have any luggage in his hand. So I knew he wasn't leaving for good. He had, they were going to come back at some point. You know what I mean?
0: Hey, players, that is the end of part one. Part two comes out, as always, on Tuesday. In the meantime, go check us out at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. Also, go check out our website, GameofCrimesPodcast.com. We've got a lot more information there, including our book list. Any book written by our guests will be listed there. In the meantime, go check us out also, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. It's where we put a lot more content you won't hear on our regular podcast. We go into a lot more topics, and folks, it is a lot of fun. So go check us out, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow for part two.